from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into UNF Arena here on the campus of the University of North Florida. Nice and quiet inside the arena right now. Yeah. Place should be rocking uh, in a little bit. The Ospreys have uh, won three out of four. One of those losses uh, here uh, last week that was really close. Almost came back from 21 down. But then they got a nice win on the road at Kennesaw State on Saturday. And they welcomed uh, front runner and, and East Division leading Liberty uh, to town tonight. It's always a tough one. Uh, best team in the league has been really the last few years. And uh, Darius McGee, one of the top players uh, in the league and maybe the nation, really, uh, is in town tonight at UNF Arena. So you want to see some good basketball tonight. UNF Arena, the place to be, 7 o'clock tip uh, for the homestanding Ospreys as we get closer and closer to March and the A-Sun Tournament. And uh, that's when it all matters here in A-Sun play. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Good to be on uh, the road once again here as we're hitting the road quite a bit. Looks like we'll be in Daytona on Thursday and, uh, well, then who knows after that. But uh, Combine horizon on the horizon. Uh, the Jags uh, should name their coaching staff by the end of the week is what I'm hearing. So uh, we've got some fun stuff coming up as the offseason really gets underway now and the, and the reshaping and retooling of this Jaguars roster mm -hmm. becomes like really front and center conversation coming off the football season the coaching hires and everything else how are they going to fix this thing uh, going forward and uh, we've got a lot of ideas I think everybody's got a lot of ideas uh, that will be the thing to keep an eye on what's happening man on a big AEW news today big AEW news yeah I mean I think you know on the Jaguars home front you know in terms of them announcing you know that their entire staff's pretty soon which is great to kind of allow them to get ready to prepare for evaluating the talent getting ready for the draft and the combine and all of that nature are you surprised that the EVP hasn't been announced yet yeah and I saw some rumblings on uh, the social media world the Twitter Jags Twitter world today about that Mm. And um, I guess, yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that it that it isn't done. Obviously, they're taking their time. I mean, how long do they have to vet that stuff out? Do they want Doug Peterson to do his staff and then him be a part of that process as well? Do they feel the need to do it before the draft? There's some rumblings that maybe they could wait until after. There's some logic involved uh, with that as the staff has kind of put all the work in on the draft. So. I don't know where they're going with it, quite honestly. I'd, I'd be lying if I, I said where they're at. Uh, all we really have is what Shad Khan told us at that news conference where everybody thought, all right, executive vice president, then an underbelly below Trent Baalke, so you're kind of bridging him a little bit. I don't know what the – a lot of people assume that would – take some of the power away from bulky i'm not sure that's what that meant i, I don't know what that meant until we kind of figure out what uh they do hire and by the way they put in requests for it shotgun never said they were hiring they just put yeah. in requests which made it seem like they were hiring right they i were mean there's looking. well let's be honest <laughs> there's rumors of spielman coming to jackson out of minnesota so, yeah I mean, that, that was even that a was, week prior yeah that was that, that was kind of i think at least what i expected to happen um it hasn't come to fruition yet for whatever the reason so uh, i mean i guess you know, the way I envisioned it talking about this draft was whoever the EVP was going to be, whether it was going to be Spielman or somebody else, they would have input um, in terms of how this draft would check out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, the, the more time that it takes, and, you know, who knows if they wait till after the draft to hire the EVP, I mean, it leads me to believe now that this is going to be Trent Baalke's draft, and, and this is going to be um, Trent Baalke's, you know, thumbprint all over of, you know, how this is going to shake out. Yeah, it kind of feels like, oh, really? 
you know, like yeah. the, Trent Falky's going to be like the the lone soldier here, or is there power with Peterson that we really don't know too? You know, like I mean, there was not a lot of conversation about that. I I think everybody said, hey, it's going to be a group thing, and everybody says that, mm -hmm. but uh, there's no like set power structure announced to the media or at that news conference. Like, hey, Doug Peterson's going to be making the decisions. There was nothing like that. I still think it was really interesting going back to that news conference that there wasn't like this like uh, picture taking process where everybody stood up there and that was the three-headed monster going forward of the Jacksonville Jaguars and I think that left room for interpretation and still does because they haven't really made any moves that we're aware of um, other than hiring the staff so it's a good guess it's a, it's a good question I do think Doug Peterson will have a heavy hand mm. in how to build this thing he knows what a Super Bowl winner looks like so I, I I'm not saying he's going to be picking all of it, but I think he'll definitely have some say. This isn't going to be like Doug Marone just leaving it up to Tom Coughlin and, and Dave Caldwell, in my estimation. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, gen generally in every single team, it's the general manager's job to find players that are going to fit the coach's system and, and the, the coach is going to like. Um, and there will be some kind of collaboration there, I believe. But I also believe that, you know, Doug Peterson is kind of the new guy in town. I mean, I think the final say, who's making the calls, um, who has the, the, the final verdict is going to be Trent Baalke, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, until further notice. Yeah, and, you know, here's what clouds that up even more, Austin, is we don't really know what he did last year. Mm -hmm. We don't know how much Urban was. Urban was the heavy in the building, right? Mm -hmm. And so how much... I'm convinced the first three, well, first pick was everybody's pick. But then after that, ETN and Tyson Campbell, I'm convinced were Urban Meyer selections. Like, I don't think Bulky would have gone necessarily that way. I'm not saying he hated it. I think he got on board with it. But uh, so I don't, I'm not saying, well, he didn't want to take this. You know, this guy, this guy, I mean, three years from now will tell us if ETN's no good, he never wanted to take him. But that's mm -hmm. what all of them do. But uh, I just think after that, then I get murky. I'm like, okay, walk a little big guy. That seems like a bulky thing. He likes the trenches. I could see that. Uh, but they also saw a lot of value injured players, as the joke kind of goes with bulky, yeah. that they took a risk on on little, not, not really injured as much as hadn't played in a couple of years because he opt out too. And also Cisco, you know, he fits that too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's really hard to give him credit or place the blame on last year from a draft perspective. I think you can really place the blame in free agency some if you want to do that or give him credit if you want to do that because I think he was kind of he was the guy that was supposed to steer the ship on a on a Urban Meyer piloted ship that had never really done it before in the NFL. And so any missteps in those kind of things, I think you have to blame Bulky. That was part of the reason we kind of said, "All right, let's reset this thing" because mm -hmm. we really don't know how much credit, blame, whatever, Bulky should get. Let's just reset it, and uh, let's figure this out, because it hasn't been good when Bulky's been in the building here, nor San Francisco in the last three years of that tenure, too. So I think it's cloudy still, man, and I think that's a problem. I'm not saying we need to know, but I think it is a bit cloudy, and, and that could be problematic, because guess what happens when it's cloudy? We just watched it for the last 40 days. Mm -hmm. Is you let everybody else set the narrative and tell you how it's going, and then you have to deflect and deny Mm -hmm. You know, whether it is or you just stay silent like the Jaguars did. And so um, I think it's pretty interesting here watching this unfold, how much person's involved, how much Balky and his staff are, are really going to own this draft. Well, and, and here's kind of where you sit with the whole Chen Balky thing. Because once again, Peterson, I'm sure, is going to have influence on this draft. But if you want to call 
you know, last year's draft, the first couple guys, Urban Meyer guys, then so be it. You know, we'll see how Travis Etienne turns out. We'll see how Tyson Campbell turns out. Walker Little could be left for interpretation. Was that a Trent Balky guy? Was that an Urban Meyer guy? I mean, I think nevertheless, we can both agree we're not really sure on Walker Little quite yet. No. I mean, it's a very uh, small yeah. sample we'll size, but, but you're not ready to have a grade yet on Walker Little. On Andre Sisco, we thought he would be playing a lot sooner. For whatever reason, he wasn't. When he's been out there, we've seen some good, but I'm not ready to you know, go out there and say he's a starter going forward. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So then J.J. Tufali, I mean, we saw him minimally, like not ready to say much on him. Jordan Smith, Jordan Smith obviously didn't really contribute that much. Luke Farrell, say what you want about him. And then Jalen Camp uh, was let go. So if we're looking about that, and we're talking about that draft class coming off of a, a two-win season, not a lot to like from that draft class so far. Now, that might change. But I'm just saying from the first year, you want to give out a grade, there wasn't a lot of productivity there. So now going into this next season, this up-and-coming draft, yeah, I mean, I, I think if it is going to be the Trent Baalke show, I'm very curious to see if you can capitalize off of last year and you can make a couple better picks that can bring some production because, once again, you're coming off of a season where you won a few games, was minimally <laughs> at that, uh, and I'm just really curious to see if Trent Baalke can turn that around. Yeah, and not only that, Austin, what I would say is, you know, Shad leaves everybody hanging. He's unpredictable, and, and that has drawn a lot of criticism, of course, uh, given the unpredictability and also the predictability of them being bad mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, it, what I would say though is why wait until even after the draft to add or beef up your front office because aren't you just setting yourself up for another cycle to wait and wait even longer for everything to click like let's get in and fix this thing like, you can you still have two months till the draft. I mean, I don't feel like Trent Bulky's been doing anything on the draft for the last month. He was hiring a coach for 40 days, apparently, and in those kind of interviews. So, I mean, let's get people in here and figure it out and beef up the front office and get more advice and steer it in the right direction. Because, again, the resume, to your point, this year, last year we're not going to put much on C.J. Henderson, Caleb on Chase. That's going to go on Caldwell. It's probably not going to go much on Balky, but it's still on his resume as he was a guy in the front office and in that draft room. And then also, if you take the, the years in San Francisco, you've got evidence of that, too, where, where it was starting to go downhill when yeah. he was there in San Francisco. So, again, these are all the reasons, by the way, uh, that just the, the what it added up to was why is Trent Balky staying around? Uh even less that he's awful at his job, and why is he around if we can't even pinpoint what he's doing, and if he, is he doing it great? Like what I always say, what has he earned the right, what has he done to convince you that he's earned the right to be here as the GM and now in charge of this next draft? And while I think his GM title says he's going to be in charge of the draft, I think there is also some comfort in the fan base knowing that, okay, they've put in for EVP. EVP usually is ahead of the GM, which means now you're going to have some further jurisdiction in that building that you're going to have to run it up the flagpole a little bit, and Trent Polky's not going to get the final say. So at least there was some buffering there. We don't really know if that's going to transpire because here we are uh, in the middle of February, and, and they haven't hired that spot yet. Exactly. And at this time right now, with Trent Polky being the GM, you would think this time, these past couple weeks, have been used um, to do your due diligence in free agency to see who can work out here in Jacksonville, how much, it gonna, how much is it going to cost. You've been doing your due diligence at the Senior Bowl, which we probably know he wasn't there, so I'm not sure how much you can do. You have to go off your scouts on that one. But you have to do your due diligence about these draft picks coming up for the combine, who you're looking for, what you're looking to see, and all of this stuff. And I just question right now how much of that is actually being completed uh, because you spent a lot of your resources, a lot of your energy, I feel like, on the coaching search. I, I think he was a big, uh, a big part of that. And the fact that there hasn't been an EVP um, signed yet or 
I don't know if we're on the brink of one or not, shows you that, okay, this, this is going to be the Trent Baalke show going forward until further notice. And I'm just... We'll see. <laughs> yeah. That's no, all I'm going to well, say. We'll I, I think that's where we're at. I mean, we yeah. don't know a lot. I mean, I think we're guessing a little bit in that regard, to be just honest with you. Uh, the next time we'll talk to Trent Baalke, uh will be uh, at the Combine. We should be there two weeks from today, actually. And that's when the Jaguars will talk. It'll be on March 1st. Our plan is to uh, be there uh, for the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. The next time I think we'll hear from Doug Peterson will be later this week. Mm. Uh, I think. I think that's the plan is, is they'll finalize the staff. I think they got another position, maybe two. But I think it's just one more to go. Uh, Rort is the hired a tight ends coach uh, today out of Baltimore. Uh, former Jags um, tight end, actually. Played for the Jags for a season. And... You know, well, Doug, I just don't know how much light Doug is going to shed on the process of drafting and free agency and worries involved with that. So maybe Trent will uh, in a couple of weeks and, and where that the latest is on the EVP search. Maybe we'll get an answer from Doug. I think the plan on Peterson is to hear from him and the coordinators coming up later in the week. So it feels more coaching staff related, but maybe something will sneak in from an information piece on the structure of it. But. It just feels so late, man. It just feels so late in the game. I mean, uh, yet I'm sitting here in Minnesota. It hasn't even welcomed in Kevin O'Connell yet. Yeah. And there was some word today that, like, that was starting to split up, and I think it's back on. I think, like, there were... Well, because all... there was rumors about Sean McVay yeah, walking exactly. away. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it looks like Thursday they'll introduce him, but that's sure. a guy who hasn't even put his staff together. Yeah. It was at Keenan McCardell uh, on the staff already. He's got some guys under contract, but... Gosh, these guys are doing this so late. And I yeah. understand it's a long-term play. I mean, the season, the, you can't, you don't have to do everything by March, whatever, when the league year starts. But it just feels like the timetable is so different and so delayed. Uh, I mean, where, where you would see this kind of mystery still involved in a place like Indianapolis when, when uh, McDaniels backed out and then yeah. they had to scurry and hurry to go get Frank Reich, uh, which, by the way, worked out. But that's the kind of feel this has with some of these teams that, that aren't even completed with their staff. Uh, the front office still in, in limbo here in Jacksonville. Uh, at least that's not the case in places like Minnesota and New York and others. They they hired the GM first. They knew who was calling the shots. Well, and also keep in mind, too, I mean, Minnesota, they had no choice but to wait because they had to wait until the Super Bowl was over. Yeah, you know yeah I for mean? their and, guy. Yeah, and that just got done this past Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's taken Minnesota a while, and I think McVay's coming back, so I'm sure they're breathing a sigh of relief right now. But, I mean, I get their delay just because you had to wait till the Super Bowl was done. I'm really interested. Listen, I think guys put together, these guys put together plans. You can work in any place in the NFL and you have an idea who the good players are. You've scouted a lot of good players. But where your positions of need are, let's just take a Spielman, mm -hmm. right, who maybe he comes in here. Like, how easy would it be for him to just transition into Jacksonville and be like, okay, well, we like these guys. I like these guys over the last couple of years when I was looking at them and our scouting department up there. And, and then, uh, well, there's some needs here. Let's, you know. You do that all the time. I mean, sure. the guys like the same players. But, they evaluate a lot of the same players, of course. But let me ask you this. How much do you think Spielman knows about this Jaguars roster right now and what they have? Well, that's fair. Now, if, if he has been in on the discussions for a while, he probably has been able to do his own research, thinking and knowing that he might land in the front office at some point. So, Maybe, you yeah. know, I don't think he has to walk in the building to be able to do his homework on that. Oh, no, you know? not at all. But I just wonder, like, how much film has Spielman watched of, of Jacksonville? Yeah, I don't do, know. Does he have a good idea of the guys that can contribute next year and the guys that probably need to be replaced? I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I, I have no idea. And by the way, where are these other guys coming from? Like, where, where's the other? And, and what if it isn't Spielman? I mean, <laughs> it's not a lock to be Spielman. It's the only name we've heard, Right. I mean, who else could be the EVP? Who else could be the assistant GM? Where, where's this team that's going together to get this organization 
drafting players and picking the right free agents. And by the way, like for this team to turn around, even if it's not this year, but next year, this process right here over the next month and a half, two months is massive. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm saying. You can't just get them in here. Get it done. Don't wait. Yeah, and this is the frustrating thing as well because, yes, there's other teams taking their time. Minnesota, obviously, is behind the eight ball a little bit. But I don't think the Vikings fans are necessarily too worried about it because the Vikings fans have a pretty talented roster, and guess what? Aaron Rodgers might be gone next year, so he might be contending for a division title. When you talk about Jacksonville, I mean, there's a reason why you have the first pick in the draft right now. Your, your roster is going to have some turnover on it. Your, your personnel is going to need to be changed. The culture needs to be shifted. So I think you have a lot more at stake right now in terms of getting your ducks in a row and, and coming up with a game plan here and a chain of command of what exactly you want everyone to do just because it is that necessary for the draft. It is unnecessary for the combine and free agency. Like, nobody needs a better draft right now than the Jacksonville Jaguars. No. Nobody needs to hit more in free agency, possibly, than the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of, once again, talent and the salary cap. By the way, right now, you know what I'm noticing? What you got? That uh, our, our setup here. Casey, you approved the setup. I moved the, moved the camera back a little bit. Check out, check out our, our, on the video feeds. Cool. I mean, it's like a big-time set here. Cool. I mean, look, we got the big jumbotron back there. Maybe we should get them to throw the show in there. Are you talking? Uh, I mean, yeah. this is this is well positioned. Yeah. Got the Osprey, the yeah. ESPN six nine. This is some of our best work yet. I'm not, I mean, it's just your best work. I didn't do anything of this, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. You did nicely but, done. But hey, got a little lucky here. Yeah. Well, maybe we can make the jump. We, we're kind of making the jumbotron. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're kind of in the jumbotron. Yeah, 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 yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So we got that going for. Us. I like it. <laughs> I like you know. I mean, I, hey, you know how I feel about it, man. It's yeah. Uh, naming rights <laughs> are our faces. Yeah, here at UNF uh, Arena again. Aspreys will play uh, Liberty and uh, Josh Barenbaum. They're shooting some uh, pregame shots as they get some work in early. And uh, once these guys get out of class, they come on over, take some shots. Uh, Liberty comes to town tonight in a Sun play. Do we expect uh, Malik Willis here at all? for any reason? <laughs> I don't think Willie no. Wills will be here. I don't know if he's a big <laughs> basketball fan or not. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> Speaking of a guy that reminds you a little bit of Malik Willis, uh, Kyler Murray, what, what, what do you make of all this scuttle on Kyler? We got to it late in the yeah, show. Yeah, I'm not like, worried about it, man. I'm not. I mean, like I said, if J.J. Watts out there having... not just come out, though, right? Like, I mean, there, there's got to be a little bit of a question mark at his maturity leadership. Sure. I'm not saying it's as overblown as everything else. But, yeah. you know, the one thing about quarterbacks in the NFL, and this is a little bit in college, too, but it's magnified in the NFL, is you got to be the CEO. Yeah. Right? You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're the face. I mean, you think of the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady. You elevate everybody else. Yeah. And there's got to be a little bit of concern right now. And, and I think some of that concern, by the way, may be unjustified because when he, when he injured his ankle, mm -hmm. he didn't play as well. No. Uh, the only the justification guy. I could see in the Kyler Murray criticism right now is is his body language is bad, isn't good, sure. you know, and, and that's a weird thing to see from a quarterback at this level. So let me ask you this. Has any of his teammates come out and spoke against him right now? I haven't seen that. Then no. I'm not worried about it. Did J.J. Watt put out a funny cryptic Twitter video about how Kyler won't answer his phone and he shook up about it? <laughs> Absolutely. So, no, I'm not worried about Kyle and Murray. Uh, uh, and until I start seeing smoke within, you know, the locker room of his teammates, you know, reports saying his teammates are kind of fed up with him, then it's, to me, it's all just hearsay and it's all just rumors as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, listen, and body language is a big thing in sports and especially at, the, at these, you know, at that level and that position. It's, uh, listen, I talk to my kids about it all the time at their level. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, body language is a big thing. 
And uh, it's a hard thing because mm-hmm. you're a competitor. But you look, Trevor did a great job all year. But there was remember the one time where he showed a little angst on, on not catching the ball. I, th- I forget who it might have been LaVisca. I don't even know if it was or Treadwell yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and people pointed to it. It's like, hey, he's frustrated. I mean, that's boom, just how quick it is. Yeah. And he hardly did anything, yeah. you know. And so I think it's a fixable trait, too. Yeah. Uh, it, see, it's, it's, it's two things with me in the body language. It's like, okay, you're an ultra competitor. Like, yeah. I understand. I don't think you're just whining. I think you're an ultra competitor, but can you channel that, right? Can you know that everybody's watching you, everybody's looking at you? Uh, so I kind of like the fact that you get mad and frustrated and all that. You know what's funny is my guy that I grew up with watching, I love them, Dan Marino. Sure. Like nobody ever, I don't remember that being a problem. Sure. And he would just rip into guys, man. Yeah, but remember Tom Brady sitting on the field when the I Eagles know. won? Yeah. And, and, like, everybody wanted to grill Tom Brady over body language? Well, yeah. he's the GOAT, though. So, like, what are we talking about with body language? Yeah, the guy won the Super Bowl? You got a little equity? I mean, I guess. And, and maybe just saying Kyler hasn't done enough, hasn't finished off enough. Has yeah. It? Has <laughs> Kyler been better or about the same or worse than you thought he'd be? Mm. That's a good question. Um, you know, the injuries haven't helped him because, like, we didn't really get to see mobile Kyler Murray this year too much. Yeah, they didn't try it. So I would, I, mean, I would say I'm surprised at him in the past game, but obviously surprised at him not running the ball more. So yeah. I, I would say it's about a push. Yeah, he's ultra talented. Yeah. That's for sure. He shows that off, but he probably could be a little bit more consistent. Yeah. At the very least, and stay healthy. That's part of it, too. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll be back. Uh, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 live at UNF Arena, home of the Ospreys. They play Liberty tonight. Got the best looking set maybe we've ever had. Like, I love it. Hope you do too. Watch it on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or listen to us on ESPN 690. We'll be right back. I'm not. I, I mean, I am. I believe Brady. He's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back in my view. <laughs> I, I think that the reason why I believe it now is because what you said, he's a calculated guy. He's not someone who's doing this, and I don't think that he cares to, like, promote his clothing brand. Like, that stuff, nobody's going to wear it anyway. You can't look fly in Tom Brady's clothes unless you can throw <laughs> like Tom Brady. So I don't think he cares about that nearly as much as he cares about being a part of this game. So I think going back to Tampa Bay is not what's going to happen. My projection and my hope is that midseason, somebody needs a quarterback. Mm. Yeah. And Tampa Bay is sitting there ready to make that trade. I don't understand why people are convinced that Tom Brady's coming back. I'm just not. Dominique Foxworth, I think, right? Yep. Uh, There uh, on the Tom Brady front. Like, I... I understand why we asked that, and I probably have been like this with other guys. Like, I actually thought Philip Rivers might do that. Yeah. If And he had the actual call. He got the call. <laughs> and he said no. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't know what that phone call was like, <laughs> and maybe there were other reasons why, but he said no. Like, he actually had, like, the golden opportunity to come back with Carson Wentz and COVID and all that stuff, and he wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, meanwhile, the NFL changed the rules, and Carson came back anyway, so it didn't matter, but... You're not as old. We've had this conversation, but it's just interesting to hear other people continue to talk about it. Uh, and by the way, I think this will be a storyline. Is like I don't know what Tom Brady's going to have to do to convince everybody that he's retired. Like it's not like the football season will start and he's not on a roster. I think we're going to have to get through the entire football season yep. before people admit. Well, and then even the entire football season, who's to say, well, he misses it so much he has to come back the next year. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, seriously, I, I think Tom Brady's going to have 
a couple years, but if he doesn't come back, people are still going to be like, wow, he's still got, you know what I mean? He's still eating avocado ice cream, not eating the carb. He can still pull it off if he wants to. Yeah. You know the only way I think he comes back? What you got? If he gets, like, divorced. Okay. <laughs> Let's not wish that on anybody, though. I'm not. Okay. I told you, I don't think he's get, I'm coming back. I don't think he's getting divorced. Okay. Like, I, I think he's given way to the family. I really do. I, I, think, I think that's real. No, absolutely. I, I have. I, I got him at his word on that. I, I think he this this life for Tom Brady has been about Tom Brady for twenty something years, and I think when you get into your mid forties and you've got your kids growing up and and you want to be around that more, and it's time to give back to all the sacrifices they made for you. I mm-hmm. think, I think, uh, I think that's real. I really do. I think these guys uh, know family life balance, and and there's nothing to come back and prove other than that Tom Brady's old. Like oh, that's no, the only thing that he would have to prove. I'm not saying Tom Brady, I want Tom Brady to come back. Like, if you're happy being a retired man, then by all means. I'm just saying the conversation of Tom Brady coming back or not, I still think even after the football season's done this up-and-coming year, I still think there's going to be rumblings and conversations saying, well, he can still come back. He can still do it. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, welcome in Matthew Driscoll right now, UNF men's basketball coach. I don't know if he has a thought. Tom Brady coming back or no? Is he retired? Trying to spend time with the family. Spend some of that money, coach. Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, I think when you look at kind of like who he is and, and kind of what he stands for and how he's always seems like he's the guy that's always prepared. He's the guy that always comes in the way he's supposed to come in. He, all those things. I think throughout the season next year, when you look at injuries and you look at where teams are and they might be this, that, or the other away from, you know, they built a great team, but they lost this guy. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know, they lose a Stratford, a Stratford, let's say. You know, you, you look at now, you might say, hey, this guy might come back for four games and then the playoffs or something like that. So I think this conversation is not just going to end. I think it's going to go on through the next season because he's one phone call away from just coming off, you know, whatever, driving a cab or whatever he wants to do, Uber or whatever he wants to do. But I don't I – don't, believe he's getting divorced and I, I don't think any of those things are going to transpire um, uh, with him. I, I, w- I would say this to you guys. I think something you guys talked about a lot about the way the Jaguars were when they went to the championship and lost. They really had the interior line on both sides of the ball was really, really special. And I think when you look at the game Sunday and you have the Cups or you have the OBJs or you have a guy like, you know, Stafford's numbers are ridiculous. Matt Ryan's numbers are ridiculous. Um, and, and, I, and I think when you have that interior line, it showed the dominance on one side of the ball and then the ability to keep the other guy upright. So I really think that we've got to make sure as we move through this free agency, and this is my opinion, the Jaguars, as we go through this free agency, that we somehow secure those two particular areas up at another level. Um, um, because, I, in my opinion, it was the difference in the game. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a really good point. It was a difference in the last uh, couple of plays, especially. We thought it was going to be a significant difference. And you're right. The Jags were really good that year uh, on both sides of the ball. They ran the ball. They were top ten in the league in rushing. Uh, actually, I think they were more like first or second in the league in rushing. And they were very good on the interior with guys like Marcel Darius and, yeah. and Calais Campbell. I got a question for you, Coach, uh, as you welcome Liberty into town tonight. We'll talk about the basketball in a moment. But uh, if in all your... 
examples to your your players over the years? You pull from, I'm assuming coaches pull from other coaches and players, and maybe it's a quote here or an example there. Uh, mm-hmm. Coaches in, in your profession, most of them have read like every John Wooden book, but is sure. there like a player or an example or a sport that you'll pull from to give a, you know, maybe an analogy or, or a life lesson or something with your guys more than others, or you really mix it up? We, we mix it up a ton. Um, and even, you know, even go back to Jordan, you know, Chaz missed two game-winning threes. And um, so you go back to the Jordan quote, and, you know, you send it that, you know, my team trusted me 26 times and I missed, yada, yada. So, you know, I'm a big believer, um, uh, obviously, and I I love a book, and it has 66 chapters in it, and and there's a lot of things in that um, um, that I I go to as well, too. But, like, you you can show so many different things. You can even talk about a John Morant. And, and, and wherever that looks like and kind of how that fits into what you're doing. You could talk about um, a guy like, um, um, uh, you know, Stafford, you know, a guy that's, that's it's been in a certain place and then what he's done. You talk about a guy and how he, um, um, uh, Kobe Bryant, you talk about how he kind of goes through his every day and, and what that every day looks like. You talk about a guy like Nick Saban um, and, and, you know, Kobe and Saban's conversation for a minute, we show the guys, which talks about editing, um, the, the noise around you and every every part of the season becomes different editing. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we really, really, really pull. I love all kind of different stuff that guys share with me. It's a bit of McVeigh or if it's even, a, um, you know, the Navy SEAL lady um, uh, we used this year um, who, who was the first lady that was in, involved in that. Um, and, and, and her talk about, you know, kind of what that did for her and how that looked. So it really is a, a different genre and a different, a different outlet. Um, uh, it's, it's not just one particular sport or even, you know, one particular industry. Coach, well, with, the, with your styles and philosophies, you know, you're getting ready to play Liberty today. And obviously, you know, they're, they're top of the conference right now. You guys would be considered the underdogs. When you handle a game like this, like, do you play up the underdog role a little bit and say, hey, oh, people are counting us out. we got to prove them wrong. Or do you take it from no, the standpoint of it doesn't matter who we're playing. If we take care of ourselves, we can win this game. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not a big believer in David versus Goliath in the sense that I believe in why it transpired, but I really believe that David was prepared. Mm-hmm. I believe that when they told David to wear the shields and do all those different things and he threw all that stuff away and said, listen, like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I've been doing this. I've been protecting. And then he has a club in his hand and the lions try to come and take his sheep and he grabs the lion by the throat with his club. Like, so I, be- I don't believe in the fact that the little guy beat the big guy. I'm yeah. really more into that the preparation is, is, is what's critical. And, and, and so, so like, for tonight, it's like, for instance, Jacksonville State, there's a good example. They had just beaten Liberty at Liberty. Liberty had a 45-game unbeaten streak at home, second longest in the country next to Gonzaga. And then Jacksonville State beats them, and they now have a 10-game winning streak, and they're flowing and feeling good. And we go up there and literally handle them the whole entire game, including double digits almost the whole second half. So, you know, we go, we go in with more of the attitude of, like, today, like, here's who they are. Here's what they do. Like, we're the second-best defensive team in the league, FYI. We're, we've, in, in the last five games, they're 3-2, and two, we're 3-2. and two. Here's where we've gotten better. Here's what we've done differently and, and where we really re- – and no Jose, no Carter. Okay, great. 
so we'll ask them not to come and play the game like it like it don't work that way. Mm. And 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 so you know just like Saturday, like Jose Carter don't play on the road, a team that's you know six and five and moving up the league uh, standings and all that kind of stuff. And like okay, great. So that's kind of how we go about it. Like here's what we do, here's how we do it. Here are the guys that are eligible to play tonight. So this is what we need to do to win. And let, let's let's get it on. And we always talk about that, like. Went like let's let's get it on like and, and our saying is let the chip fall where they may as, as long as it's on our terms and we do things the way we want to do them and we know we're not perfect however you can't you can't not say like this is what we like like you don't, you don't want fortune to come into play mm. in the sense that now you're relying on something that you're not controlling so control the controllables do the things that you're good at but take open threes preferably make open threes Continue to you know guard the way we're guarding, defending the rim at a high high level, defending the arc like we've always have, but we didn't early, but now we are. Um, I think we're 26 percent in the last five games defending the arc. So like those things, often like that's what you guys got to understand. Like as a team, like like there's no magic potion, and that's great. They're in first place. Well, guess what? Somebody has to be. Somebody's going to lead your team in scoring. Somebody's going to lead your team. Like, that's, at the end of the day, that's what happens in athletics. But, like, you know, did you tell Hartford last night that they were going to play undefeated 20-game um, winning streak Vermont and, and, and lose? No. And they end up winning. They had five wins going into the game. So, like, it, it's all about how you go about every day. And the other thing, too, Austin, how do yeah. you prepare to beat Texas Tech? How do you prepare to beat UCLA? How do you prepare to beat Kentucky? How do you prepare to beat those guys? Or all of a sudden, are those guys the Goliath? You know, so 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 it, it's it's really it's really about you know understanding that everybody's got a special function, and understand that when you come together as as one heartbeat, that that special function, whatever that is, that that's it's got to come out when the lights come on. Matt, Matthew Driscoll with us. Uh, I'm ready to play right now, Brent. Absolutely, UNF men's basketball coach. <laughs> These guys have been ready to play, too, and that's the thing. Listen, I'm biased here. I love Coach Driscoll, uh, but I think you're doing a heck of a job this year, man. I know my, most people wouldn't say that with an 8-18 and 18 record. You lost five games with uh, three points or less in league play. I think you've had your two best players on the floor for an entire game in league play twice. That's it, and you're getting these guys to, to battle every night, uh, and, and you're right there and, and pulled off a nice win at Kennesaw State the other day. So I, I think there's more to the record of what you guys are doing but there's also i mean that the reality is liberty's good and liberty's really good and and darius mcgee is really really good you know we've seen dallas more around here we've seen some other really good players when i first started here in jacksonville ben smith from ju came to mind um where's darius mcgee on the list of a sun players in recent memory because this kid can flat out score he had 26 in the first half the other night against ju uh he's legit isn't he well, yeah, he's very, first of all, he's a really, really good human being. I got to spend a lot of one-on-one time with him last year when they were here for the tournament. Um, so I really got to know him a little bit differently. Um, and, and the one thing Richie and I talked last night when they came to practice, and, and I said to Richie, I said, I love your halftime interviews um, because the first thing you start with is, as long as we have Darius McGee, we're going to be okay. Um, and, 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 and I said, and I pointed up to the banner, and I said, that dude was like, like when you have that dude, like you always understand um, kind of what it looks like and kind of what it's going to be. And um, if he has a, 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 a whatever, uh, a bad beginning or a bad middle, um, in, 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 in this kid's case, you always think every single one of them is going in. And, yeah. and that he has the ability to kind of not only keep you in the game, but also lift the guys around them 
to play at a different level. And I think that's what makes those guys special, that he's lifted Kyle Rhodes, that he's lifting Keegan McDonald, that he's lifting Shiloh Robinson, that he's lifting those other guys, you know, Rhodes shooting 54 from three and Robinson shooting 60 from three and, you know, McDowell shooting 44. Like, they're shooting 44 from three. Well, the reason is, just like us, we led the country in three-point makes and three-point shooting. Although, well, when you got that guy, you know, driving the Lamborghini, that, that makes it so much different because the amount of stress that he puts on your defense and the amount of stress that he puts on your scheme is, 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 is really, really high. So he's definitely one of those decade guys. Um, and, 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 and obviously, um, um, they, they've been very good with him. And, and um, the league's really good. I told you that before the year started. Yeah, it is. It's good. It's they're, competitive. There's there's six to seven teams when the tournament comes that can, that can go to the NCAA tournament. And um, uh, and because it's home court advantage, that seating just becomes all that much more greater. So uh, we're excited for tonight. Uh, we, we understand the challenge that's at hand. Um, uh, you know, we've won three in a row on the road, which I really uh, would like to flip. <laughs> and, we, you know, we just lost. You know, obviously we lost five five close ones at home, one, one possession games at home. And, uh, you know, a really good Bellarmine team the other night um, with a chance to make a three to go up one and make some free throws. Um, obviously, I think free throws have failed us. We tell the guys yeah. five to seven games. And, again, Saturday we go six for eight down the stretch and it helps us win the game. So, super excited about tonight and, and, and looking forward to the challenge. All right, last one for you. Wasn't it Bobby Knight, like, who just – I forget who it was against, but he said, yeah, it's all right, we're going to let that guy go score, like, 45 or 50, but we're going to guard everybody else. Do you ever think about just deploying that against, like, McGee tonight? <laughs> so so, so it's, that, that's an actually an interesting question that you say that. And actually, you know, we, we actually went the other way. North Carolina was number one in the country. We, we were the beginning of their Black Sundays. Okay. They had four Sundays in a row that they lost. Us, Duke, Duke in the tournament, Penn State to go to the Sweet 16, and we were we were like we were we were at the bottom of, of the ACC at the time, and we came in. We've actually played a triangle in two, and we actually took their two best players away, and um, and Ronald Curry played in the NFL, Austin, probably with you. Yeah. yeah. He um uh, he banked in a three to start the game, and I turned to coach and I said, man, this is going to be great, and he he took six more <laughs> and missed all six. <laughs> so. so so really, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not one of those guys that thinks letting those guys go off. Because think about this. Like, he got 48 and broke Parker's record this year. Yeah. yeah. So you let those guys go off. You let Dallas Ward go off, like, he could get 50. He got 55 in China. Like, those guys can get 50. So I'm not a believer in that at all. Yeah, I just crossed my mind because I know he's just so talented. But yeah. the pro- I mean, Liberty's talented around him is what you're saying, too. Sure. And- and, sure. and that's the thing. It's not just a one-guy team uh, at all. All right, Matthew Driscoll, go get a nap in, man. We'll see you back here tonight, 7 o'clock. Good luck tonight. Appreciate you, my brother. You bet. That's uh, Matthew coach. Driscoll, UNF men's basketball coach here at the arena tonight, 7 o'clock. I mean, it's really been tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Placier is a really good player for them. Carter Hendrickson's a really good player. I'm talking like the heartbeats of their team. And uh, they just haven't been healthy. They, they just can't get them healthy. If they can get them healthy for the tournament, they are dangerous. Like, People are going to want to play. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, they are – I've watched it up close. I mean, they've lost five games uh, by a, a field, uh, by a three-pointer or less. So I, I love Coach's mindset here where, you know, it's about the work. It's about the dedication. It reminds me when I first started my MMA career as an amateur, um, I, I got the privilege to train with Nate Diaz for a day. Oh, wow. Uh, and this is – 
before Nate Diaz had his match with Conor McGregor. It was a short notice fight. And I'll be honest, Nate Diaz didn't really teach me anything. Because I asked him, all right, Nate, like, so say I get the inside leg kick. What do I do here? He's like, man, just get punched in the face and punch him back. Like, what else do you want? You know, because, so, you know, this is, this is Nate Diaz we're talking yeah. about here. He's going to bloody but, it up. But I'll never forget, as we're leaving the gym, you know, and I was a Conor McGregor fan. But I, I told him, like, hey, man, good luck against Conor McGregor. And I'll never forget, he turned to me, he said, luck's for losers. And I'm like, okay. And then at that moment, it dawned on me, like, okay, so th th this guy already knows that he's prepared, he's ready to roll. Yeah, he may be a giant underdog, doesn't matter. He ends up choking Conor McGregor out with, with a rear naked choke uh, and shock the world, man. Do what you do, right? Do what you do, man. Do what you do and do yeah. it well. All right, uh, hopefully we'll do it well when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, live from UNF Arena on the campus of the University of North Florida. I think, you know, you go into a season, if you're going into a football uh, season and didn't think that you could win, win it all, it'd be a pretty depressing place to play from. So, um, you know, certainly you go into every year believing that, understanding, though, that there's so much work that has to be done, so much time, so much effort, so much sacrifice has to go into that. Um, so you certainly go in knowing that that's the goal. But like I said, we take a, you know, a one day at a time mindset, you know, dominate every single day. And, uh, you know, hopefully you get presented with that opportunity to go out there and play on, on Sunday for uh, the world championship. I don't know who that is. Is that Stafford? Cooper Cup. Uh, uh, that's a guy that is kind of under the radar, unrecognizable. Doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah. yeah. He just goes about it. his business. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, UNF Arena. Just a couple minutes and then we'll hit the top of the hour. How about the, the viewership for the Super Bowl? Way up. Uh, you know yeah. what's funny is I didn't feel it, Austin. It's, I, I've said this. I said this on Friday. I'm not, like, super excited, jacked up for the Super Bowl like I thought I would be. Um, I enjoyed the game, yeah. but I also just didn't feel it like, oh, my gosh, I feel like everybody in the world is watching this. I, I know everybody watches. I think I told you, even with Cincinnati in it, I think it wasn't going to change that much. It might go down a couple million, up a couple million, whatever it is. Well, mm -hmm. it actually was pretty significant bump from last year's game with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, it's wild. I man. think that's pretty surprising to me. It's it's really cool. It's cool when, you know, you you don't have a dynasty like the Patriots that you love to hate. Uh you don't have Tom Brady who's who's so polarizing either you love him or you hate him. Um, you had, I mean, I don't want to say refreshing teams because the, the, the Rams were in a couple of years ago, but you have the Rams and a, a brand spanking new team in the Bengals and and in numbers like that. I think that's a good sign for the NFL going forward. You know, I, I don't, I say this somewhat snarky because I always knew, like I didn't think the sport was being hammered when everybody was saying it was going to ham being hammered. I was like, if you lose, if you have a billion dollars and you lose like 50 million, did you really lose a lot, yeah. you know, like, and, and that's a bad example probably. Um, but it obviously is another sign. Like, even if you thought it was going down, it's back up. Like, the NFL, it's it's like bulletproof, man. I it's mean, it's going to take a PR hit. Listen, they take PR hits every week. It's too big to fail. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I mean, and, and gambling and our addiction to the game now yeah. and our addiction to our life habits of Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's not just us that cover it or are fans of it or diehards of it. It's everybody. And the Super Bowl showcased it again. Absolutely. Uh, so if you're in that camp, you might want to stop that battle because you're not yeah. going to win it. Now, uh, L.A., outside the top ten in terms of ratings. Is that where they were? Cincinnati They're was number one? Yeah, I don't know where, where everybody That's was. That's why I joked. Yeah. I said, how many people at the parade? Yeah. Over under ten and a half people. Ouch. 
Did, did LA come for you? Uh, a little that bit. one? Yeah. A little bit? They yeah. all thought like I was mad that the LA won and that the oh, Bengals. Yeah. I was just like, I was really just playing off the Kings parade. Of course, know? of course. Uh, but hey, we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, uh, 4 o'clock hour. Coming up from UNF Arena.